You're listening to the Diet Rebel Podcast with Kiki Smith. If you're a woman who hates the idea of having to choose between loving your body and changing it, then you are a diet rebel and this podcast is for you. In this podcast, we talk about everything from loving your body exactly as it is now to becoming the most fit, lean, and toned you've ever been, no matter how old you are, how many tiny humans you've birthed, or how many times you've lost and regained the same 15 or 50 pounds. Seriously, you don't wanna miss it. So grab a snack, preferably protein-based, and sit back and enjoy this episode. Today's lesson, fat loss without cutting the calories. Now, obviously, eat more to weigh less. We're always trying to get you to eat more. <laughs> so uh, we want to talk about that a little bit because obviously when you, you're doing your reset and one of the things that we usually say that, you know, when you, you know that you're fully healed when <laughs> you don't want to cut your calories. Now, that tends to cause a little bit of a dilemma for some people because they're like, okay, now I really want to lose this fat, but I don't ever want to lower my calories again, you know, or maybe you kind of work through some of the mentality aspect of that and you don't want to lower them. And that is completely okay because as I mentioned in this post, that is a sign of a fully healed metabolism because you should have a little bit of healthy resistance to lowering your calories. That shouldn't be something that you want to do. Wanting to lower your calories, desiring to eat less than your body needs in order to survive is actually a sign that you are not fully healed yet. It's a sign that you are still struggling a little bit with diet mentality because you're looking at the reduction of calories as kind of this uh, heal all thing for yourself. So it's one of those things to watch out for. Again, today we're talking about fat loss without cutting calories. As I mentioned in the description, if you're at a point where that's a struggle for you or, you know, maybe you could do it a couple days and then you tend up, you tend to like start falling off the wagon again or you kind of feel like I just don't ever want to reduce my calories, but I do still want to lose fat. Um, this is something that you should pay attention to. Also, if you're in the very beginning of your journey, we've talked a lot about resetting and I know that cutting is something that's very important to most of us. So I do want to discuss the fat loss portion of this and how you can actually be preparing for that in your reset, because that's what the reset is all about. So essentially, when we're talking about fat loss, calories in versus calories out. We've heard of that before, you know, and it is a little bit more nuanced than just like calories in versus out. But fat loss is ultimately determined by your energy input versus output and energy just means calories. So it just means like you're focusing on how many calories you're consuming versus how many calories you're burning. So basically it's still calories and versus calories out, but we're going to talk about ways that you maneuver that and how that works into your plan. So this will all come together when we start working through our blueprint for the month of June, because you're gonna be able to kind of pick and choose from these methods that we're gonna talk about today and see how they incorporate into a way that maybe reflects you a little bit more or feels less restrictive to you. So when we're talking about calories in versus out, you know, we can start weighing those out. Which one should you be leaning towards? Uh, should you veer more towards the eat less option or burning more? So now I know we typically hear like 
eat less, move more. I'm saying eat less versus burn more because burning is different because some of it involves moving and some of it doesn't. So we're gonna talk about that a little bit today. So like we talked about, when you're looking at calories in versus out, when you're looking at eating less or burning more, reducing the amount of calories that you eat is the thing that we're most common with uh, and we're also, you know, familiar with obviously over exercising. So usually it's the two of those. But when you're just looking at reducing the amount of calories that you consume, you know, that's where most diets kind of land you. So most diets and eating styles are typically just very clever ways to get you to eat less. So we talked about this before in some other videos, but just so that you understand, that's usually what you're looking at there. When you're trying to decide between different eating styles, most of them are just ways to help you to reduce your calories with maybe it not being as noticeable to you that you actually reduced your calories. So when we're looking at you know, intermittent fasting or low carb or low fat or vegan or vegetarian or removing a specific food item or food group or a specific macronutrient or like a, a devil ingredient, whatever is being, you know, kind of demonized in the media. Typically, that's what those I guess marketing <laughs> tactics are for so or the different strategies are for they're created to help you to reduce your calories in some way if you remove an entire food group then typically you either aren't replacing it or the way that you replace it is possibly a lower calorie version so an example that i often give is if a person that loves burgers goes low carb and starts eating a lettuce wrapped burger lettuce has way less calories than I live by the ocean, so there's always going to be sacrifice in the background. It's just uh, so yeah, lettuce would have a lot less calories than bread. So if you went low carb, it's not it wasn't the magic of low carb that made you lose weight. It was the reduction of calories that made you lose weight. So all of those styles of eating, not that there's anything necessarily wrong with them. The style of eating is not the problem if it's somebody's preferred way of eating. So say you switch to a certain lifestyle, like maybe vegan or vegetarianism, because you're like, it's more sustainable for the earth, or you know, I wanna reduce my carbon footprint, or it's a religious preference, like something that you're gonna to stick to overall, and it's just like you're fully convicted about this as a way of life, then it's not so much a problem. The problem comes in when we're using those methods for weight loss, because if all it was was a clever way of reducing your calories, then once your body adapts to that style of eating, it's just like if it adapted to any other way of lowering your calories. Now there's a problem when you want to go back to eating normal because that's going to add calories back versus, you know, people thinking that, oh, this is proof that I shouldn't have eaten whatever the thing was. So your body can adapt to a deficit as quickly as three weeks. So if you're just using a style of eating or something like seems like it works like magic for you, then that's really something to understand is that if, you know, three weeks, six weeks from now, it stops working, do you still wanna eat that way? So that's just something to consider when we're looking at eating less versus burning more because, you know, the two can be different. So uh, 
the the other thing to take into consideration is that when we're talking about that, that means that maintenance is it's a constantly moving target. So, you know, we think about maintenance as this thing that we ultimately want to get to or, OK, I'll just eat above or below my maintenance. Well, it's a moving target based on whether your body has adapted to lower or higher carbs. So when you're doing that, if you're constantly lowering, that creates the problem that most of us had when we came into this journey. So it really does create a problem when you're seeking fat loss. If you're switching to an eating style or removing things that you don't plan on removing forever. So that's one of the caveats to eating less. It doesn't mean that you should never do it or that it never comes in handy. It just means you have to understand the pros and cons of that. So that is where most of us are when we arrived at the AM2WL method. You know, we're probably not burning near what we should be. So we've been on that perpetual lowering of calories because that's the only way for things to continue to work. So a lot of times if you're coming off of one diet and that has stopped working and then you just move to another diet, which creatively reduces the calories more, creatively reduces the calories more. Sometimes we don't realize that we've just been, you know, on a constant reduction frenzy. But a lot of times that is what's happening. And sometimes we are aware of it. We're just like, hey, 1800 calories doesn't work anymore. Let me go to 16. Let me go to 15. Let me go to 13, 1200, 900, HCG, whatever it is. So even though most of us are usually in a rush to get to the cut phase, that means, as we talked about in, you know, the first couple of sessions, we spend most of our reset, like just kind of wasting the reset, wondering what, when can we move to cut? Uh, when can we reduce calories? Because we associate the reduction of calories to the fat loss. And that, it doesn't have to be that way. Reducing calories isn't, you know, the only way to create that deficit. And especially when you're someone who has come in kind of at that plateau where you're burning less than you should, you know, it might not be the best route because that's only, eating less only introduces one tool, one way to create a deficit. And, you know, you're just typically trying to tilt those scales of, like we talked about, calories inverse out of how much did you consume? How much did you burn? So you just want to tilt the scale so that you're creating a deficit in some way. And it doesn't always have to be through massive calorie reduction or through calorie reduction at all, although it is usually included in some way. So consuming, changing what you consume, eating less is only one way. Changing how much you burn that opens up a whole new toolbox for you. That introduces like there's like four different ways that we burn calories. And when you start breaking those down, there's a lot more to maneuver on that side of the scale than on the calorie reduction side of the scale. On the calorie reduction side of the scale, it's just reducing calories. That's all you got on the burning side of the scale. You know, there's a lot of different ways that we burn. So that's one of the things that you can start looking at during your reset. And those are the things that you want to pretty much like nail before you start moving to cut. So that's one of the things that I usually recommend is, you know, understanding that there are these four ways that we burn calories. And if you can kind of get those in alignment first, that is your scale, your, your measuring tool for whether or not you're ready for cut. If you don't even have these four things under control, then 
there's no point in moving to cut because remember now you're moving into the one trick pony when there were so many other things that you could do. So these are, I'm going to go over the four ways that we burn calories. Obviously, if you guys have any questions that pop up while I'm talking, go ahead and answer those. We'll have Q&A at the end or if I'm talking too fast, just tell me to slow down. But I want to make sure that we get all this in and it's not too long for the replay viewers. So again, the four ways that we burn calories are kind of your checklist for moving into cut. And it doesn't mean that you're not actually starting cut already. It just means that when you're ready to start into cut, like do these things first and then look to lowering your calories. So the four ways that we burn are going to be your secret weapons for fat loss. So if you're incorporating those and if you're protecting them with your life, and making sure that they're in place before you start reducing calories, you're going to have a much easier journey. So the four ways, uh, BMR, which you kind of know about if you did the calculator and you tried to figure out how many calories you should be eating overall. So we burn calories with our BMR. We burn calories using uh, NEAT, N-E-A-T, exercise activity, and TEF, which is the thermic effect of food. And I'm going to break those down for you and let you know about how much of your calorie burn uh, those things play in. So first is BMR. So your BMR, which if you're completely new to the EMWO method, or maybe if you just need a refresher, that's just like the amount of calories that you burn when you're like in a comatose state, when you're just chilling, laying in bed all day long, doing nothing, just the amount of calories required to breathe. That is 60% of the calories that you burn all day long. So when we've been on that perpetual lowering or when we've lost a lot of muscle, when we're very inactive, that affects our BMR. For a person that is metabolically healed and healthy, it's a pretty set number what where that BMR is. So it can change from day to day based on like a couple of factors, but it's not a drastic change unless you've lost a lot of muscle or you are not using your muscles like during your workout. So like I said, it's a pretty set number for most people, but it can go up or down based on um, how you're working out, how you're engaging your muscles from day to day. So if you've lost a lot of muscle, then your BMR may be lower than it should be. If you gain muscle, you can actually increase your basal metabolic rate, which is what your BMR is. So again, when we come into this journey, most of us have a lower than it should be BMR in the beginning. That's why we go through the reset. That's why we talk about the muscle rebuilding. That's why that part is so important, because if you skip it, then, you know, what you should be burning is lower, which means that even when you go to do the things that you should be and lowering the calories and all that, you're still overshooting. You're still your body still thinks that you're eating too much your uh, workouts, you have to like go longer in workouts, like more is required to create that deficit and to tilt the scales, like we were talking about for the eating or the burning. When you skip or ignore the BMR aspect of the equation, because it's such a huge amount of the calories that you're burning, you're putting your body on a budget and it's a budget where fat loss never wins, ever. So thinking that we can skip the BMR part of the equation, the rebuilding of our BMR or paying attention to the workouts that keep our BMR where it's supposed to be, like I said, that just puts us on, you know, it just puts us on a budget 
that makes our body has to choose between like, okay, so do I do what you're telling me to do with these workouts or do I keep you alive? Keeping you alive typically wins. Your body doesn't care about your fat loss goal. My body doesn't care about my fat loss goal. So if the BMR isn't where it should be, or if I'm eating less than BMR, you know, or overexerting myself and not paying attention to that, then my body's just going to take whatever I am eating and it's going to put it towards that. So that's why the BMR part is so important when we're talking about eating less, because when you start dropping below that, then your body doesn't know what to do and it starts shutting down crucial function. So BMR, 60% of the total calories. Burned. Hopefully this stuff is coming up. I know I'm frozen over on uh, my end. And I think, okay, I think it's still showing up. Anyways, I'm just going to keep moving. If it doesn't make sense, you guys will let me know. So the next one, and this is a really wide range for those of you guys who um, are looking at these percentages, is 15 to 50% of your calories burned is your NEAT, which is your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Really, it just means the stuff that you're doing that's not exercise. So this is actually something that's really important to know because a lot of people don't realize that your non-activity plays a bigger role than your activity. So that's one of the things that's broken with the eat less, move more mindset. Because when you just think move more, people think, let me do more workouts, more intense workouts. Let me, you know, like they pick workouts that have like higher burns, you know, people are doing like two a days with their workouts and things like that, not realizing that the activity part of your day that seems like it's nothing, the part that maybe you're skipping in order to go work out or whatever, um, or that you don't have any energy to do <laughs> because maybe you're eating too little, that counts more. So your NEAT is walking, leisure walking, it's fidgeting, it's, you know, cleaning your house, it's shopping, things like that, organizing your closet. That's neat. So it's just, you know, the activity that seems unimportant because when you're burning calories and sweating and all that stuff, it feels like it's like you're doing more intense stuff. So this has the biggest effect. So that's why it's such a wide range because it can be 15% if maybe you're super sedentary, 50%. If you're somebody who is moving around, maybe you're, you know, taking the kids to the park, you know, walking around with them, you're walking the dog every night or maybe twice a day, you're shopping, you're generally like busy doing things around the house, whether it's like cooking, cleaning, organizing things, reorganizing things, moving furniture around, stuff like the gardening, the things that you're not necessarily counting as activity. So that's the stuff that, you know, is being monitored by your devices, your Fitbit, your Apple Watch, things like that. Any pedometer type motion. This is where getting your, you know, five to 10K steps a day comes into play. So those things seem like they're not that big of a deal, but they are. It is, it has much heavier weight on the burn scale, then your workouts do. Your workouts, when we're talking about these four things that we're breaking down, your workouts, especially depending on the type of workouts that um, that we're talking about, is the smallest portion of all of this. So that's why, you know, the whole like whatever 
sweat is fat crying or whatever that saying was and all those things like those things don't matter as much so that's uh i have eat here eat not talking about food meaning your exercise activity so there's neat and then there's eat um your exercise like formal exercise formal workouts plays the smallest role so and like i said that's depending on where you are in the spectrum so Beverly, you always forget about meat and how much it accounts for the activity. So, yeah, it's a lot, a lot of people do. So that's the reason why I wanted to stress that a little bit more, because I want to make sure that everybody does understand that when it comes to your eat versus meat, um, and especially you guys, because you're in the app, you know, most of you, I know some of you, maybe you're injured or you're doing other things. But one of the questions that a lot of times that we get is like, well, can I add more exercise or I'm, I'm only working out three days this week or whatever it is. And people want to fill in the gaps with tons of more workouts. The reason there's so much space in there is for you to like go do life and just do it with movement. <laughs> so doing life, moving around, using like walking and things like that, like using walking as a form of transportation rather than an exercise. So we're not talking power walking. We're just talking like go leisurely puts around your yard things like that like that kind of stuff is going to have a heavier weight on your bmr which means on your metabolism than going for you know whatever a run or adding extra workouts to your day or saying like okay well i lifted today and then i'm going to you know do some cardio tonight or whatever you know now maybe getting on the treadmill and doing some very slow walking because it's super hot or super cold outside maybe but hopping on and going for another run on top of whatever you did earlier, it's not going to have the same effect that meat will. Because the thing about regular like cardio and things like that is your body adapts to it. So when it comes to your workouts, do the ones that matter. Do the stuff that, you know, gives you the biggest bang for the buck and then go live your life with movement is like the best way that I can describe that. That means go be involved in your own life and don't make it all about workouts and you actually probably end up burning more. So just to recap what we talked about in the lap, the session where we just actually discussed workouts, when we're talking about cardio, your body's going to adapt and get efficient. So if you're using that as a way to increase the burn more, then you're going to have run into the same problem that you do with the eat less. Um, when we're talking about weights, weights can positively affect your BMR. So if you have to add something in, then do something that's more anaerobic, hit, lifting, you know, and then obviously if you're somebody who loves uh, running or kickboxing or some type of cardio, then sprinkle that in for your like sanity for therapy purposes and things like that. But just understanding that caveat that it may help clear your mind, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's still getting your burn up because remember our body adapts very quickly. We're talking three weeks, six weeks, stuff like that to, eating less or burning more and using those methods. So now we're talking about TEF, which is the last way that we burn calories. TEF is the thermic effect of food. So remember when I talked about earlier, I said when we're talking about burning more, we don't want to just think eat less, move more, because it's not just about movement. Eating actually burns calories. Who knew? So the thermic effect of food can uh, be anywhere from 10 to 15% of your calories. Um, and this is, again, the spectrum is based on how you eat. So 
we're going to have a whole session about like macros and what they mean, but like just baseline understanding is that macros is what the calories are composed of. So when we have that calories versus macros debate, it's not really either or because macros have calories. Calories is just like how much you're eating and cat the macros is how much of how much you're eating. Like how is that being dispersed? Because the calories in or out affect whether you're gaining or losing weight or fat. Uh, and the macros is the what is whether it's fat or muscle. So calories up or down, gaining, losing, macros, what are you gaining and losing? So this is where the thermic effect of food come in. And that's the reason why you do have a, hey, here's how much you should eat. And then we start opening up the discussion of what should that be composed of, which means that if you have two people that maybe all of their stats are the same and one person is eating the proper amount of protein and the other person is not, that means that this person is burning more calories. So your calories can be the same, but you can change your macros and that can change how much uh, that your body is burning. So because of the fact that certain foods actually require energy to burn. So that means that in the act of eating them, your body is actually has to burn a lot more calories during the digestion process to actually digest the food. So when we're breaking these down, again, our macros are protein, carbs, and fat. Protein is going to have the highest thermogenic effect. So that means it's going to have the biggest impact on your BMR, on the amount of calories that you're burning, it's going to be on the higher end of the burn spectrum. So eating more protein actually helps you to burn more calories. Protein has 30% effect of the thermic effect of food on your body. So 30%, whereas carbs have six to 8%, that has two to 3%. So just so you can see how big of a spread that is. So a lot of times it seems like, why does she harp on protein so much? That's why. Because you're burning 30% more when you're eating it than you are when you're eating fat or carbs. That's the reason why when you see a lot of the, the fad diets that still kind of like are mainstays or that people rush back to, it's not so much what the diet's about. It's just when you start breaking it apart it probably had a higher protein percentage. So the ones that work the best out of, you know, some of the ones out there that are different styles, they probably have a higher protein. Now, the caveat to the carbs being so low, remember I said carbs are like six to 8% effect. Fiber is actually on par with protein. So fiber is going to have a higher thermogenic effect. Carbs that have fiber will have a higher thermogenic effect than carbs that don't. So that's when you hear the like good carbs and bad carbs or empty carbs. That's typically what people are meaning. Empty just means it doesn't have fiber, which means it's like it probably tastes like super good, but it's not really having any kind of any type of like fat burning or calorie burning effect on your body. Whereas if it has fiber, it does. So when you're looking at your foods, that's another way to break it up. So when we're talking about these things, that's this is how we can start putting this together. So to recap, I'm going to put them on the screen just so you can remember. Uh, BMR, when we're talking about affecting our BMR, we're going to look at the types of workouts that we're doing because that's going to affect that. So 
the type of workouts that you're doing and how much muscle mass you have. If you increase your muscle mass, you'll increase your BMR. If you lose muscle mass, you will probably have a lower BMR. So just, you know, again, these are all generalizations to help you to be able to adapt it. And all of this is going to come together when we start uh, breaking down the blueprint. But if you're using doing workouts that involve your muscles or building muscles or keeping muscles, then your BMR is going to be on the higher end. And that's a good thing because that's where 60% of your calorie burn is. Now, also, if you're eating too little, that will lower your BMR or it will cause your body to budget these calories that your BMR is actually requiring. So just something to consider when we're looking at that is protect your BMR like it's your baby. Like that's it's everything to your metabolism. When your BMR isn't being sufficiently fueled, then the other stuff doesn't matter. So even if you're incorporating, you're doing the other methods of burning, but you're not giving your BMR what it needs as far as food, then scrap it all. Your body's going to make the choice to do what's best to keep you alive, which is distribute to what your body needs to just lay in bed all day and breathe, which is what your BMR is. Meat was the other one. Anywhere 15 to 50% of your calories, that's just moving your booty, just moving around, doing stuff, not trying to break a sweat while you're doing it, just doing things like Busy bodies burn more calories and they're just like moving all around. Like we joke about this with my husband. He is super inefficient in most things, but because of that, he has a super high meat. Now, I <laughs> am very efficient, which means it's it's hard for me to get in enough meat because I'm going to make sure that I'm not making 12 extra trips to do something. So that's something that I have to be aware of. And so I use different like projects around the house and things like that, activities with my family to uh, help me to get more meat because as my all you girls know I've always said like I am the sloth is my spirit animal <laughs> so I it is hard for me to just like move like I'm one of those people that would have just leaned towards getting in more exercise because then at least that's like targeted it's like whatever 30 minutes 60 minutes done but back on the couch um you know so it is what it is so I have to do things to make myself a little bit more movable and living my life. Uh, let me submit a question. If you can cause between listening, keep calories up and lifting. What? Yes, yes, yes. That's how you protect your BMR. Remember, that is like you guard your BMR with your life. Don't let anybody, any diet, any exercise routine, anything talk you into doing something that will negatively affect your BMR. So that means eating too little out the door. You need your BMR to do its job. So let's put that out of the door. Definitely getting in your lifting. Uh, other anaerobic activities will help as well, like HIIT. So uh, that can work as well, but also your meat. That can help your BMR as well. So that's going to affect it. That's the reason why it has like a higher range because you're probably like, okay, BMR is 50% needs, I mean, BMR is 16 needs 50. How does that even work? That's why, because of the fact that the, that meat will creep into BMR. It's actually going to help increase your metabolism. So that's one of those things. So hopefully that made a little bit more sense to you. And again, your need is anything walking, fidgeting, cleaning, whatever your Fitbit or Apple Watch or pedometer on your phone app whatever is tracking for you or whatever just give yourself some little projects to do around the house 
here and there, you know, or whatever, dance while you drive, anything, all of those things increase your meat. So uh, the third one was your eat, which is the non-food eating. We're talking about actual exercise. This is where your app comes in handy. If you're doing the stuff that's in there, then you're good. The way that it's built, the progression of it, the periodization of it makes it so that it's constantly affecting your BMR in a positive way. Because that's one of the things that if we're not aware and we're just doing any random exercises with lifting or we're not adding a progression to it, your body adapts. It then in that case, lifting would become the same as cardio. Your body would just be used to it because there's not and there's not a progression happening there. So you have to have that progressive overload in order for the BMR to be positively affected by it. Other than that, remember our workouts? they're not that big of a deal. So let's not place super, super importance on them. Let's make them count. Now that doesn't mean when you're going, when you're in the gym, like, Oh, this doesn't count. So let me just, you know, do a half butt job. No, you're in the gym. You're going hard. If you're doing hit, like you're doing real hit, not hit that lasts for 45, 60 minutes. You're like 20 minutes. You're about to die. 30 minutes. You are dead. Then if you made it work, <laughs> same thing with your lifting, you're going all in, you're making sure the little notations that are in the app that are like, you shouldn't have two more reps in the tank. You should not have two more reps left in the tank. If you got three left, then figure out something, put on a weighted glove or something to make sure that you're getting that extra one or do those last couple reps so slow that you can't do anymore. Whatever it is, make sure that you're doing that so that your workouts, you're going all in, but knowing that they're not the be all end all. Get them in, you're in the gym two, three, four times a week, lifting hard or doing your hit, you're good. Go be active in your life the rest of the week. Uh, and then the last one was the thermic effect of food. Again, the way that that one is going to be affected is that's where your macronutrients come in. So these, again, are the things that you want to focus on before cutting. You want to make sure that you have these things under control. And what you'll notice is that you will actually be getting the fat loss anyway. So we're, we think cutting because we just think like, okay, I need to hurry up, reduce calories, and then everything will fall into place. No, that's like the icing on the cake. When you have these things in to play, then when you start doing any reduction of calories, that's why you don't need as much of a calorie reduction. Because remember, you're just trying to tilt the scales to make to make a deficit. So wherever you make that deficit at is going to have the same effect. It's just that if you're making a deficit from eating too little or doing too much cardio, your body's going to adapt to that. And then you're not going to have any place else to go. You're just going to plateau. And that's where you know, most diets have us, which is fine because they're meant to be temporary. So if you do them for three weeks and you get your results, you got what you needed out of it. It's not something that was meant to continue on forever. But if your journey is going to take a little bit longer than three weeks, then you want to take into consideration these things. So that means that spend some of your time in your reset. Like if you're like, okay, I think I'm finished resetting. I'm ready to cut. Take a little bit more time and get your macros together. Because while you're adjusting that, this thermic effect of food is going to be kicking in and you're going to actually start burning more anyway. So if you're thinking you're ready to cut, maybe you're at like 60, 75 grams of protein or something like that. And you've kind of been like, okay, I'm eating the right amount of calories. Now's the time to start maneuvering how those calories are spread out. So you did the work now of getting in enough calories. 
Now let's take the next step of making sure that those calories are where they need to be. Getting in enough protein, getting in, you know, 30% or a gram per pound, you know, pushing that up to, to a healthy amount, like to what it should be, but also an amount that feels doable for you. If you go up to like 40% protein, like there's, there's no point in that. You don't have to like go crazy with it to burn more, but just use that as a leveraging tool, especially if you actually want to eat more food and cut. That is like, that's how you make it done right there is just adding more protein because of the fact that it can kind of cancel out the fact that you're eating or the fact that you're not doing as much cardio. And again, when we talk about that range, protein is going to have the highest. It doesn't mean you're not eating the other macros. Please eat them. Please eat your carbs. Please eat your fat. Just know that how they affect the scale. So make sure your carbs, like, yeah, still get in whatever, 35%, 40%, 45% carbs. Just make sure you're getting in enough protein. I mean, enough protein and enough fiber. Because if your carbs have fiber in them, then that's going to counterbalance the whatever you're eating in carbs. And it's going to give you like the one-two punch for your food because you're going to be crushing the protein. You're going to be crushing the um, fiber, which they're both very thermogenic. And I'm going to put up Q&A. Obviously, if you guys have any questions, let me know. But those four things I want you to try to work in first instead of rushing to the reduction of calories. Because, again, remember reducing calories, that's one thing. Burning more calories there's four ways to do that. So tap into those four ways first, especially if you're having a hard time reducing calories, that's going to help you a little bit more. So there's just way more wiggle room there. Ask yourself, just start going through them one by one. You know what I mean? Like, am I eating enough? Am I getting in my lifts? Can I, you know, am I at 5,000 steps? Maybe I can get to 8,000. Am I at 8,000? Maybe I can get to 10,000 and start looking for ways to expand and do things in that way. So that means like a lot of those like old school tactics of like park your car at the end of the parking lot and things like that, or take the steps instead of the elevator. All those things still matter. It's just that once we get like a little deeper into our journey, we start dismissing those for workouts and stuff. We're like, I don't need to take the stairs because I, it was leg day. So what? Take stairs anyways, (laughs) or, you know, go for a very leisure bike ride with your family. Like you guys, if you ever follow me on social media, you'll see I'm like on my beach cruiser a lot. It is the most like not like I'm not sweating at all while I'm doing it, especially this season at the beach. There's so many people that I'm maneuvering between. I'm going like, I don't know, one mile per hour. I don't know. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous pace ever. But you know, it's just something that it allows me to spend time with my husband or like with my family, like go on family bike rides or I'll go walk to the beach or I'll play with the grandkids, things like that, you know, they get you back involved in your life. Workouts and diets, like they make you compartmentalize your life and you, you need things that still help to keep you involved with your family and things like that and help you to feel like you're actually on a, a journey that's a lifestyle versus something that you're just like waiting Because when it's just all about calorie reduction, let me tell you, what that does to you up here is just like, it's so (laughs) tedious and like splitting to you, you know, and it's like, it's really, it's harder because of the fact that you are just waiting 
you're either waiting for the three weeks so you can take a maintenance break or you're waiting for the scale to go down or you're waiting for the inches to go down or whatever versus seeing what else you can do. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode and make sure you keep in touch. So whether that's through DMs or email, I would love to know what you felt about this episode or if you have topics that you'd like me to cover in future episodes. You can DM me on Facebook at EM2WL or over on Instagram at eatmore number two way less or via email at info at eatmoretowayless.com. If you're completely new to the Eat More to Way Less process, you can also grab our quick start guide at eatmoretowayless.com slash start. See you next time.